Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. We are back with another special bonus episode. Bonus episode. Today we are continuing this series that we've just started called Bad Movie Bonus, which I'm actually really enjoying so far. Brad, we watch a lot of really good movies for our podcast and it's kind of nice to see the other side of the coin. It really helps me to appreciate the other stuff that we've been watching. I was going to say, if not for that fact that you kind of brought up at the end there, I don't know if I could say that this is really nice. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, the fact that we seem to have a every two week role for this is not exciting. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, cats, so wh- cats was kind of weirdly bad, but not bad in certain ways. This film that we'll be reviewing today, I feel like is just bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Cats was like a, a severely misguided choice. Whereas this one was just a choice that never should have been made in the first place. Like yeah. it just... So the movie that we're reviewing for everybody out there, we we got in a watch party on Saturday with a bunch of our listeners, and we watched the film Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, not Paul Blart 1. That cinematic masterpiece will never be touched by bad movie bonus, but we decided to watch Paul Blart 2 also because we have absolutely no idea what happened in the first movie, so we had none of the context of that film, and it turns out... We didn't need any of the context of that film because, Brad, they tell you exactly what happened in that movie in like the first 30 seconds of this one. Yeah. And then they kill off his marriage and kill off his mom. And, you know, you're just off to a rip roaring start. To join us today, we have one of our best friends and a faithful listener of the podcast here for his first guest hosting gig. It's our buddy, Mike Giles. Mike, how you doing? Hello. I'm good, guys. How are you doing this evening? I don't know. Fine. (laughs) So we had this watch party on Saturday. It is now Tuesday. And in that watch party, I told you guys, I don't think I'm going to remember a single detail of this movie come tomorrow morning. And it's now been, what, three days. And I honestly do not recall 98% of the things that happened in this movie. And I didn't care enough to take notes either. So I don't really know what I have to say about this film. Lucky for you guys, I did take some notes. Um, so, <laughs> all right. <laughs> one of my notes, although, does say when will the plot happen? Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't. It doesn't. I do feel like even if you hadn't had notes, we could have made stuff up, and it probably would have seemed feasible enough to be part of this film. This movie is just nuts. And Brad, I'm really happy that we have a glass of whiskey here next to us to help get us through. Uh, Today, we're sipping on a whiskey called Cold Cut from The Few Company. We had Few Spirits on the podcast at the very beginning of this season. If you guys remember, we interviewed their CEO, Paul Hutko. And after that interview, Paul was kind of telling us about this new product they had coming out, and we convinced him to send us a bottle. This is Fuse Bourbon, and what they do is they take their bourbon, and they get it down to bottle proof, not by cutting it with water, but by cutting it with cold brew coffee. So it's got a really interesting and unique flavor to it. I'm really excited to try this. I am somehow less excited to get into talking about Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, but Brad and Mike... 
What do you guys say you give us your initial impressions of whatever this was that we just watched? Man, oh man, wherever shall I start with this wonderful film? There's just so many problems with this movie on a lot of different levels. The cinematography is very bland and forgettable. Um, The music is terrible. It it doesn't really do much for your emotional soul, you know, the core of your being. Uh, The acting is forced. Kevin James, you you can feel he's just trying to shove these things down your throat, that he's fat, that he's a mall cop, and that he thinks he's important. And and that's about it. Those are the major things I got. I mean, Uh, it's like this whole movie is like watching a a stand-up comedian bomb on stage for 90 minutes straight. And he's trying so hard to convince you to laugh. And like, yes. you know, the, I've seen a few movies that I liked Kevin James in, but Brad, you're 100% right. The, watching him in this movie was like nails on a chalkboard to me. Bob, I'm glad that you brought up the the comedian trying to force you to laugh when he's just bombing up there, because I actually watched the Netflix Kevin James stand-up comedy, and that's literally what happened. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this movie was very hard to watch. I am a Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan. Um, they used to call these type of movie experiences deep hurting. It was a lot of deep hurting. I, I do have a direct quote uh, from this movie that security is a mission, not an intermission. I, I really wanted to That's deep when you think about it. turn this movie off at certain points. It was rough. I enjoyed the first uh, Mall Cop, Paul Blart movie. And I don't know why they had to make this movie or go in the direction that it did. I I don't know why Paul Blart had to get divorced other than they couldn't get the actress who he got married to at the end of the first one. Oh, Um, that's 100% what happened. You just know like they had to find a reason to write her out of this movie. But why did his mom have to die? It just, it wasn't funny. It just, you think in the first few minutes, like, wow, I hope Paul Blart goes to therapy. Uh, (laughs) This sounds like a terrible set of circumstances. And I I really don't know why he doubled downs on him in his self-confidence to try to cope with all these things. I, I, I just don't, it doesn't make sense. So for those of you out there who have not been subjected to watching Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, Brad, can you give us like a 30 second Brad explains on the plot of this movie? Paul Blart's life goes to shambles. Paul (laughs) Blart goes to Vegas to feel better about himself with his daughter to talk at a police uh, mall cop convention thing. And some bad guys are there that are trying to steal hotel art and he stops them. The end. Yeah, that's it. Very nice. That's literally all that happens in this whole movie. Yeah, his uh, daughter there... gets into UCLA, but Kevin James is kind of a dick and doesn't want her to go. <laughs> yep, that's pretty so, much it, man. Yeah, there's all that. Kevin James also punches a woman, and the woman says, oh, I'm sorry, it's my fault. I surprised you. And, you know, that just <laughs> that just comes across great. That's That's, you know, not problematic at all. And that's the kind of joke that you get for 90 solid minutes of this film, yeah. too. <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm realizing as we do these bad movie bonuses that there are different categories of bad film. Like, you have a movie like Cats, which costs, I don't know, $150 million. And 
you can tell it was a really misguided movie. It's a bad film, but it's not in the same category as a movie like The Room, which is the same thing we said last time around. You know, The Room is this infamously bad film made by this guy, Tommy Wiseau. It was independently produced. None of the actors are really professionals. It's super cheap. And then there's a, there's a whole category of bad movies like that. This movie kind of falls in the middle. Like, it had a $30 million budget, so it was a major Hollywood production. It's really, really bad, but it doesn't tip into the so bad it's good side of things. It's just, like, groan-inducing, boring, nothing visually interesting to look at. Even, you know, even the abomination that was Cats. Like, at least we got to look at some interesting camera angles every once in a while. This movie looks like a well-made YouTube video, and... There is nothing else interesting going on in this film. One of the one of the big problems for me is that when you look at trash films like, you know, The Room or Velocipaster is a newer example of that. Those movies, while terrible from every cinematic quality assurance standard. At the very least, they are incredibly memorable. You know, you talk to people about Birdemic. Uh, you know, Sharknado, yep. things like that. And they're 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 unforgettable and they're funny because of it. Movies like this, I think the greatest sin that they commit is the fact that they are so entirely forgettable. Absolutely. You know, like with Cats, uh, you know, Cats isn't the most memorable movie, but there are certain parts of it that I'm going to remember. Like, I loved having Gandalf up there pretending to be a cat, just wailing his heart out. And it was actually really well done. And there's other parts of it that were good. But man, oh man, cut like you know, you started off the episode talking about this, Bob, but this is just an incredibly forgettable movie. And that's a trap that not just bad movies fall into. I was just talking with a friend of show Jordan McCain today about the Daniel Craig Bond movies. And while we love Casino Royale and Skyfall, the other two in the middle, Quantum of Solace and uh uh Spectre, Spectre. Yep. are I, I barely remember those films. And and I yeah. really think that that is an unforgivable sin when you're looking at cinema. I think that's a really good point. And that leads us into our first category. We're going to break down a few things that went wrong with this film and then maybe one or two things that went right. But the first thing I want to know, when you look at this, uh, I, I don't know what to call this cast of characters, but when you look <laughs> at the actors in this film, who would you give the award to for worst performance in this movie? Yeah. I I guess there's so many different awards. I think Kevin James is the obvious choice, um, but I'm going to go with, I don't know what his name is, but the poor man's version of Zac Efron might have been one of the worst performances in like a major studio picture I've ever seen. Yeah. So there's like this uh, like bellhop or I don't know what you call him, pool boy. Yeah. yeah. He was the hotel. He was just an all around uh, he was the valet. He was all over the place. He was yeah, down at the so pool. his name is his name is David Henry. You guys might know him as the son <laughs> that Ted Mosby tells all about his mother in the show How I Met oh, Your Mother. Oh, that he did look kind of familiar, man. So yeah, that's uh, that's who that was. He he's, uh, unfortunately he's really come went, a long way. <laughs> yeah, How I Met Your Mother ended in I think 2014, and then he came right off of that and made Paul Blart too. There's a lot of performances that you don't understand their character. And the the woman who is the manager, 
who <laughs> falls for Paul Blart and has a crush on him towards the end of the movie. I, I don't understand the character and the performance was just okay from her. And I, I think that would be my top pick in this case. Yeah, so she plays the manager of the hotel that Kevin James is attending for this conference, or at least she's some sort of high-ranking person in the hotel. And out of nowhere, she's just developing these intense feelings for Paul Blart. And her character basically consists of them cutting away to her as Paul Blart does things and her reaction of like swooning (laughs) on the sidelines. I do feel kind of bad for her because I don't really know... I don't know if I would say that she was terrible in this movie. She just had absolutely nothing to do. Well, and the script is just very unbelievable, uh, you know, in all facets of the word. And and it's not that I necessarily expect everything in a movie called Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 to be, you know, perfect and believable and rational. But there's just so many things that don't make any sense. And, and one of them that especially... Uh, I just didn't understand was the dual relationships that are forced into the movie where Kevin James has this model quality woman throwing herself at him. And then you have Ted Mosby's son throwing himself at Kevin James's daughter, who once again, you just kind of go, the the script doesn't really do him any favors in that regard. Yeah, so when it comes to to my vote for worst performance, I I have to kind of split it down the middle here. There is a character in this movie called Saul Gundermutt, who is uh, another person that shows up to this convention and is a big fan of Paul Blart and kind of follows him around like a right-hand man throughout the film. Uh, He's played by this actor, Gary Valentine, who appears in a lot of Kevin James's movies. They give him this terrible hairpiece, and his character is just this really over-the-top annoying. I don't even know how you would describe him. It's just like they took every cliche of an annoying person and made him into a character. And it's just like, it's so hard to watch because it's just so unfunny at the same time. I was just going to say the, the weird thing about that is I actually didn't mind him as a character or some of the other cops that are just annoying pricks. Uh, Like I didn't mind them as much because In a movie like this, I was like, oh, yeah, there's weird sidekicks that just chew up scenery left and right. And so, like, they didn't actually feel very out of place to me. I think it's the fact that Kevin James is just not a good actor, at the very least in this film, and that the script is so bad for the main characters that my ire was drawn towards the main characters of the film, and I didn't actually mind the crappy, you know, secondary characters as much. Yeah, which brings me to like the co-recipient of this award, which would be Rainey Rodriguez, who plays Paul Blart's daughter, because, and I hate to say this about her, but I think she's actually just not a good actress. Everybody else is kind of swinging for the fences and just doing something crazy and insane, and it's not working. But with Paul Blart's daughter, like she doesn't have much to work with in general, but I also feel like she's just not a very talented actress. And I think... That was kind of the weird thing is like she's surrounded by all of these comedians who are trying to do this bit that's not working. And she's she's still somehow worse than all of them. Yeah, it it kind of feels like she just kind of blends into the background and you don't even notice that she's really in the movie, which, you know, kind of once again, it brings back to my main point. She's just completely forgettable in everything that she does. You know, like you said, Kevin James swings for the fences and he's ridiculous and kind of funny in in a few moments. 
but her performance is just utterly boring. Yeah, I had to go back and remind myself of the plot and synopsis of uh, Paul Blart 1. And she is captured in the first movie. She is constantly being captured. And I, I, I guess I don't understand why her character is this girl who feels like she has to protect her dad in all these certain circumstances. And yeah, I agree. I mean, and I don't even think that she was terrible in the last movie because it was it was about a six-year difference between both these films. It was just hard to believe this character, and I I just, I struggled with a lot of things. It was just very hard to follow. Um, well, that's another thing, is like, what executive at Sony was looking through movies that they had had, and six years after the fact was like, you know what the world needs right now? It's 2015. The world needs another Paul Blart movie. Like, I just don't understand. Yeah. Put my best men on it. <laughs> but it could have been, like almost like a what about bob sort of comedy like okay so he gets divorced his mom dies it's like you know they could go along with that but then he goes to therapy like i suggested before and then he is advised to take a break from his job you know to get away and then somehow he has to thwart some sort of art heist in wherever he's traveling okay I would believe that movie more so than the security guard convention gone wrong. I, I... <laughs> well, and that's the thing that I, that's so frustrating about this movie is like they commit to this bit, which is the ridiculousness of the mall cop yeah. or the security guard, and like they're hoping that you're gonna think it's funny, but it's not funny. And so, like when the climax of the movie comes and they're in a hallway facing off against all the bad guys who are trying to steal art. It's five security guards against five like trained <laughs> assassins, and it's supposed to be funny because they're security guards, right? It's... But the the really frustrating thing about this movie is that like one actual police officer with a gun could have really easily thwarted this <laughs> art heist, and it wouldn't have been as long and as drawn out and as ridiculous as this mall cop scenario that we're forced to watch. And that's the thing is like it's it's not ridiculous enough to be funny. It's just frustrating. Yes. Dude, you you get John McClane in there and that would have been done in two seconds. Like they would have just blown up the hotel. Yeah. Either that or you would have had uh the dude from Band of Brothers, his head would have been chopped off. McLean's like holding it over the the uh entire like casino floor. <laughs> like it would have been it would have been amazing. All right, Brad. Well, what do you say we just press pause here? Unfortunately, not forever, but we have to press pause so that we can try our whiskey of the week. So let's get into trying this few cold cut. What do you say? Let's get to it. All right. So today we are checking out few cold cut. Now, we already gave a little bit of an intro on this, uh, but this is brought down to bottle proof, which is about 93 proof. Uh, with cold brew coffee. This seems to be a trend that a lot of distillers are doing now. Jameson just released a cold brew, although Jameson says that theirs is coffee flavored. And I don't know if this would technically count as a flavored whiskey or not, Brad. It's a really interesting concept that they're actually using coffee to dilute down the barrel proof product. What do you think of this, Brad? 
Man, we were drinking this during the watch party for Paul Blart, and I just poured out some a little bit ago. I've had, I've nosed it a little bit. I've taken a few sips. This is some damn good whiskey. This Bob. is so good. And and here's the thing, you know, we're gonna get into our our sort of nosing and tasting and everything else, but. What I'm really surprised by is that those really subtle coffee notes, you don't really pick them up on the nose and just barely on the taste, kind of on the finish for me is where they come out. But it's almost like it took all of the qualities of Fuse regular bourbon and just kind of amplified them. Like it brings out more darker, sweeter notes on the nose. It really helps to uh, promote the sweetness on the taste as well. And I'm really surprised that adding that sort of dark bitter coffee to things is actually having the opposite effect. Yeah, I was going to say another cool side effect of adding, you know, black coffee is that this has a beautiful color to it. Oh, for sure. Obviously, it's not maybe what a purist would call genuine color because, you know, it's from the black coffee. But hey, man, I don't care. It's it's delicious. It looks beautiful. I think the coolest part of it is that you don't really taste the coffee notes on the front end Mm -mm. of the palate, but it's really when you get to that finish that you just get these nice, I mean this in a good way, but nice bitter espresso notes that, you know, if you've had dark roast coffee and enjoy it, man, this is this is the coffee for you. So one of the criticisms that I have heard of Fuse products, and I was just talking with somebody on Instagram about this the other day. Uh, they said that every product they've tried from Few tastes young. And I think that probably is a fair criticism of Few products. When you get a really young whiskey, a whiskey that hasn't been aged long enough, you can really tell it, especially for me, on the nose. It has a lot of more florally notes, and you get a lot of grain. And it, it doesn't really smell like that grain has soaked up a lot of the wood. And Few's bourbon was especially like that for me. I think their rye also smells kind of young, but I really, really love their rye uh, because of that sort of light floralness to it. This one, it still does smell kind of young, but like I said, something about the addition of that coffee really gives this like a character that I don't think their bourbon had. Yeah, there, there's something about this cold cut that has just such an impressive depth to it that like you said the other one tasted a little bit young and somehow by adding coffee to this it's bringing out all of the right notes so i tried this out of a couple different glasses i've gone back to my sort of tried and true glass today brad and what i'm really getting on the finish especially you do get like you said that sort of espresso dark roast coffee but it's almost for me like those chocolate covered espresso beans it's it's dark chocolate and it's dark coffee and i think having that sort of bitter cocoa and coffee note added to the end, it takes away from any harshness that the finish might have, especially from being a younger bourbon. Brad, I have to say, like if we were scoring this out the way that we normally would for the podcast, this would be near or at a 40 out of 50 for me. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you, Bob. This whiskey is really, really impressive. It's not the best whiskey we've had on this podcast. But I don't know. There's a depth of character and quality about it that I am just really, really loving. You know, we we kind of vowed, and I don't know, we'll probably break it someday, Brad, but we've said that we weren't really going to have flavored whiskeys on this podcast. And just this season, we've had a couple different varieties of what might be labeled as flavored, but they do something more than just adding a sort of chemical flavoring to their whiskey. You know, with the Charbet distillery out in California, they turn beer into whiskey. and you know, the powers that be have labeled that a flavored whiskey with few. They're taking black cold brew coffee 
and they're diluting their product down to, to you know, this uh, 93 proof with it. And whether or not this is considered a flavored whiskey, it's it's different enough than your everyday pour that it has something special to it. And I really like that quality about it, that I can pull it down off the shelf and know that I'm getting something just a little bit different. It gives this a sense of, of being a more special whiskey on my shelf. Yeah, Bob, I think, you know, I said this earlier about Paul Blart, is that the the unforgivable sin that it commits is that it's forgettable. And it's funny to me that we're pairing probably one of the most memorable whiskeys we've ever had on this podcast with the most forgettable movie we've ever reviewed. <laughs> well, it's definitely making the experience a little more tolerable. But Brad, unfortunately, we have to get back into talking about Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. What do you say? Ugh. All right, so that was Few Cold Cut. Uh, unfortunately, we have to stop talking about what a delicious whiskey that was, and we have to keep talking about Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. But we have a segment that we like to pull out for these bad movie bonuses, which I guess we'll just call Say Something Nice. So, Brad, Mike, is there a performance? Is there a scene? Is there a moment, a line, anything redeeming about this film that you want to just call out and compliment in the middle of us crapping all over this movie? Yeah, I mean, there's there was a few lines in the movie that were pretty clever and self-aware. Um, I, I don't remember them exactly, but there there's one part where they're making like some taken references and the uh, main bad guy in the film answers the phone and Kevin James is on the other end and he's like, my name is Paul Blart. And the bad guy's like, well, thanks for telling me that. Paul. <laughs> and then he's like, what did you do with my daughter? And he goes, oh, I didn't know she was your daughter, but thanks for that, too. And I don't know, there's just something about that that was refreshing and funny and amusing. And there's a few lines like that throughout. Um, and and I, I'm not going to lie, I, the jump scare funny parts of the movie actually did get me. I, I thought those were super funny when the mom gets hit by the bus and or sorry, the ice cream truck or the milk truck. I don't know. She got hit by something and, and a few other spots. Kevin James gets hit by a car at some point. It, you know, those are. Those are cheap laughs, and, and I appreciate that sometimes. There was a moment where Paul Blart is having dialogue with a security guard, but he's actually a part of the art heist. And they do this little bit where he looks the other way, and then he runs away screaming. That, I feel, is the true Paul Blart. I've, I very much believe that. I laughed at that. <laughs> Um, I enjoyed Mini Kiss being in this movie. You weren't already aware. Who's that? Uh, it's a real band, Mini Kiss. They they are. Oh, the 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 yes. dwarf Kiss impersonators. Yes. yes. So okay. I enjoyed Mini Kiss being in this movie. I wish Mini Kiss performed, but that's okay. Other than that, nothing was really rememberable for me. It just. <laughs> but we should never forget that time Paul Blart ate dribbling melted ice cream from a child to come out of his like My... diabetic coma. Listen, let me let me paint this picture. Paul Blart just is like running and then falls over because you find out earlier in the film that he's hypoglycemic and he needs sugar to keep going. <laughs> and he sees this small child just violently eating an ice cream cone. <laughs> and he crawl he crawls across this lobby on his hands and knees and lays underneath the falling dribble of ice cream coming off of this kid's cone. And I have to say, I am shocked that no one has made a gif of that moment because it might be 
the single dirtiest, filthiest shot I have ever seen in a Hollywood film ever. It, it ever. is so ever. gross. Like, I thought for a second that they were going for like a Limitless type of shot where he's like, you know, well, spoiler alert for Limitless if you haven't seen it, but where he's like drinking the blood of the bad guy that has the drug in his blood. You know what I'm talking about? I have not seen mm, Limitless, nope. but I mean, I know the plot of the movie, but I've never seen yeah. it. Yeah. So he he's literally drinking the blood of his enemy off the floor because the blood still has the drug inside of it so that his brain can kick in and he can escape the situation oh. he's in. I Like, I thought they were going for that. He was just going to lick it up off the floor. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, my friends. You got a full on. I, I, we can't even say what it, what it yep, was. It was. Just going to leave it there. Just, Not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Really, so really filthy. I have to say, if I'm saying something nice about this film, uh, the guy who plays the main bad guy, the character's name is Vincent Sofel. The actor's name is Neil McDonough. And he is uh, a guy that I really like. I've, I've kind of followed him for a long time. He's a good character actor. Uh, you might remember him from the miniseries Band of Brothers. I thought that he was by far the most talented person in this cast. I actually thought that he was the funniest person in the movie. I was really impressed by his comic timing. That scene that I referred to earlier where Paul Blart and his gang are like showing down. Like There's a showdown with the bad guys gang. And you can tell there's this kind of bit where they're um, improvising insults at each other. And it goes on for a little while. And I thought that the insults that Paul Blart and the bad guy were hurling back and forth at each other were actually probably the funniest part of the whole movie for me. So I have to say, in spite of how awful everything about this movie was, Neil McDonough did a really, really good job. Yeah, I, I was yeah, I was impressed with him as well. He he felt like the only good actor in the movie. And I guess it's it's kind of one of those things where you just look at it and you go, some stand up comedians just shouldn't necessarily be actors. And the thing is, I've seen Kevin James in some movies and enjoyed him. But man, I he's just not a great actor. And sometimes in movies, a good actor will come across much funnier than a good stand up comedian who can't act. Yeah, I think that's probably true, which leads us to our final verdict on this film. Now, obviously, we're not going to recommend this movie as a good movie, but I have to ask both of you, would you recommend this movie as a bad movie? Is this the kind of movie that you would throw on to entertain people when they come over to your house and you're drinking a few beers or a few glasses of whiskey? Or would you not even recommend it as that? Oh, no. No, not at all. Uh, (laughs) It wasn't as entertaining as the first one and i i remember the first one being at least enjoyable i mean i think the first one you can make a case for yeah this is just a movie we could put on maybe in the background at with company or you know what have you but yeah this this was not enjoyable yeah this this movie is cringeworthy and forgettable And there's no reason anybody should ever watch this film again. The crazy thing to me is that, you know, granted, the budget was quite, quite different. But the movie Cats lost about $20 million from its budget to how much it actually brought in. This movie, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, made $70 million, Bob. (laughs) It made $70 million. 
in just the U.S. Yeah. It also grossed another $30 million overseas. This movie, like, it brought in $107 million. Yeah. I Like, I just... And, and that's the problem. Because earlier you asked what Sony executive said, hey, we need to make another Paul Blart, you know, mall cop movie. It's the same executive who made seven, you know, the, his company made $70 million off this film. The crazy thing about this is that it was successful enough that we might get a Paul Blart mall cop three. I have no idea if anyone's interested. Certainly the human race is not interested. But from a purely financial standpoint, it would make sense for Sony to put out another Paul Blart movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, my wife has said that at the hospital, you know, she's a nurse. A lot of the kids on her floor would watch this movie in 2015, 16, 17, you know, the years following its release. Like kids like this movie, man. They liked the first one. She said it would be on in the in the hospital when the first one came out. So there's people out there who like it, man. Jeez. Mm. Well, I don't really know what else there is to say. Uh, Join us next time for another terrible, terrible movie. Brad, I think for our next bad movie bonus, you have mentioned this movie in both of our episodes so far. I think we should watch the new classic, The Velocipaster. What do you you say? (laughs) I'm very excited for this. We want to say thank you to our friend Mike Giles. Mike, thanks so much for joining us as guest host. I am so, so sorry that it had to be for this movie. You just got to have me back for a better movie. Uh, (laughs) That's true. Or a worse one. uh, Yeah, maybe. I am honored either way. Well, thank you, sir. And we want to say thank you again to Paul Hletko uh, and our friends at Few Whiskey. Thank you for this cold cut. When you said Paul, I thought you were going to say, we want to say thank you to Paul Blart. (laughs) Thank you to our friend Paul Blart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. For the Film and Whiskey Podcast, I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) 